1: It is Monday, March 21st, and you are listening to the West of the Rest podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast feed. My name is Blair Angulo, joined by my co-host, Mr. Brandon Huffman, who is on the road after covering a big-time lineman camp in Huff. I would ask you how your weekend was going, but I know exactly how it went. Lance, cue up the sound real quick. That was the sound of one Cade Huffman taking a pitch to the opposite field for a nice little single at T-Mobile Park Huff. How, how, how was it to be able to see good old Cade uh, get on first base there in a major league ballpark? That seemed awesome.
0: It was, it was cool. I mean, it was as cool as an experience you can have as a dad just to see your kid playing in a major league stadium. I don't care if it was just for a high school game. I mean, it, he could not stop talking about it. They they lost. They took a loss, but he couldn't stop talking about what a thrill it was. And, hey, very cool for the Mariners to open up their stadium. There was a four-game series there this weekend. But, yeah, you see, you know, I was taping the the, the bat. My wife was taping it on the Jumbotron because they had the bat on the Jumbotron. You know, so it's just cool to you see your kid's name on the scoreboard where you're used to seeing, you know, Griffey or Rodriguez or Trout. Given the high school that he plays for his uniform colors – of white, teal, and blue. I haven't seen a—I don't know—a guy wearing those home whites in Safeco Field. Yes, I know it's called T-Mobile Park. I would see a guy hit the ball that well in Safeco Field wearing those colors, probably since Ichiro. So, sorry, Mariners and, fans.
1: And <laughs> that was a very Ichiro approach there, taking it opposite field, uh, right over the second baseman's head—a uh, very uh, sharp liner, I want to call it. I know we're only going to play the sound, and here it goes again. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you hear that and that's some solid contact. So uh, that that was awesome. Congratulations to Hey Cade. uh, Had a a great at-bat there at T-Mobile Park and and Huff. Proud daddy from the stands. That was awesome to see. Uh, Let's move on to our topics. We're going to touch on five-star Nico Iamaleava dropping his top five. He's one of the the names that I think everyone is talking about in the college football recruiting world. We're also going to break down a commitment that Boise State got and why it could be bad news for the Broncos. We've seen this movie before so uh, i know that the staff there is keeping their fingers crossed another quarterback news with jabari johnson getting a crystal ball choice from yours truly mr brandon huffman but let's kick it off huff with a player that you and i both love the number one rated player in the state of hawaii leona left dropping its top eight schools it is byu michigan oregon texas usc utah and Washington is the other one as well. Um, this is a, a, a you know an interesting set of news for him because as we know, players in the state of Hawaii have had difficulties over the last couple of years with high school football being canceled, uh, delayed, and then canceled again. There hasn't been as much opportunities for those players to impress coaches during an evaluation period with no in person evaluations allowed, and you know for him to be able to have the offers that he has and have the options that he has on the table. Really speaks to his skill set, and I know for for the next few months and for the next few weeks for him, it's going to be important to really narrow things down. Uh, what have you liked about Leona Lefau when you've been able to see him in person?
0: Well, I just love the competitiveness that he shows, and you know, we saw it last spring when he was on the seven on seven circuit. And keep in mind, this is a guy who didn't get a junior or a sophomore season at all in Hawaii. He actually, came to Washington to play. Uh, but we saw him be the alpha at the pylon event in Mesquite. Uh, got to see him in January at the North Shore uh, e- event that went on in, in conjunction with Polynesian Bowl week. He was the state defensive player of the year. And this the competitiveness. He's uh, willing to play linebacker. He'll take reps at safety. He'll go play receiver. He'll flex out. He's just a guy that goes out and he plays the game. And I don't know, Blair, I mean, you you covering the state of Hawaii, you probably have seen him more so these last two years. It seems like when we see guys from Hawaii at events, they play with an even bigger sense of urgency because they literally did have this season taken away. And you alluded to that, that they've had a rough couple of years. And this is a guy who doesn't waste the opportunity to play football when he's out on the field.
1: No, hats off to players like Leona Lefau who step off of those six hour flights and they are ready to compete at showcases, at camps, at events, no matter where it is, whether that's on the West Coast or in other parts of the country. I think it's really impressive and it kind of speaks to not only their work ethic, but their ability to concentrate when it matters and when kind of the lights are shining. Uh, the No no excuses ever. You, you never hear them complain about having to, to basically fly over the, the entire pacific. And get to an event, uh, and that's basically their chance to really impress. And he's been a player that we've been super impressed with every time we've laid laid, laid, laid eyes on him. We saw him a couple weeks ago at the Battle of the Beach uh, Seven on Seven tournament out in Thousand Oaks, California. Wasn't playing linebacker, which is going to be his natural position at the college level. Was playing safety and was real is doing a really really good job there. Has the athleticism, the mobility. I love the way he's able to to have that range and close on the football. He plays with an edge. He plays kind of with even though he doesn't have a lot of hair compared to a lot of other players from mm-hmm. the state of Hawaii. Hawaii, I think he plays with with that that fire. And he 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 plays kind of with with his hair on fire in a sense. I, I think For him, it's going to be about finding the correct fit. And when you think about the schools that are on that list, you know, I mentioned uh, Texas and Oklahoma and Washington and USC. Um, You know, there's, there's some schools, even Oregon that have a lot of question marks in in terms of their defensive scheme, uh, what they're going to look like uh, stylistically. And I think he's trying to wait and see what, what those, what those possibilities could look like. I know he likes those options. I know he likes the relationships he's able to build at some of these schools but when when you look at that top eight um, right now the two schools that i know are up there and if he had to narrow it down to maybe a top three top four i would say byu and utah sit in a really Mm -hmm. good spot he's actually born in salt lake city he has a lot of connections in the salt lake city area has a lot of family you can never discount what lewis powell the assistant at utah is able to do recruiting hawaii and, and especially the north shore and then you look at byu and what they've been Able to do whether Kalani Satake. I know it's a school he's been to a couple times, went out to a game last season. Right now, if I had to put money on it, I would say it's a battle between the two beehive state powers.
0: Well, and you know, those two definitely have been the ones he talked the most of. I think his top eight speaks to a bigger kind of theme we've seen in in, in Hawaii the last couple years. You know, it wasn't long ago, I think it was the 2020 class where. The top three players in the state went to Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Michigan, respectively. And it seemed like when you had players from Hawaii, if they left the island, they usually went to a Pac-12 school. It didn't seem like there was a, a lot of those guys that would go to the national level. Yes, you had the Manti Teos that went to Notre Dame, but you know, two years ago when you had the, the Jordan Batellos going to, to, to Notre Dame and the Nick Kermig to Wisconsin and Roman Wilson to Michigan, now you look at Leona's top eight. You've got Oklahoma and you've got Michigan and you've got Texas, what it's telling you is that even when they're missing a season, national programs understand and respect the football that's played in the state of Hawaii. And so in the old days, you'd probably have a top eight that was heavy Pac-12, maybe a Mountain West school, a BYU at the time was an independent. But now you're seeing BYU and Utah that are going toe-to-toe with the Michigans, with the Texases, with the Oklahomas. And more often than not lately, we've also seen the BYU and the Utahs Beating those national programs. And this would be a, I mean, it's going to be a fun battle to watch BYU and Utah battle it out for him. But knowing the schools they're competing against also shows you that, hey, both of those schools are really stepping up their game recruiting wise, but also it's kudos to the state of Hawaii.
1: Yeah, we can't obviously discount what Oregon might be able to do on the recruiting trail, especially with Tosh Lupoy and Dan Lanning leading the charge there. USC being kind of that that favorite school for a lot of players in the state of Hawaii. And now you factor in the, the fact that Coach Sean Nua is there recruiting the state, uh, as well as Coach Odom recruiting the position. And you can never really discount what Lincoln Riley is able to do as a head coach. So the Trojans are definitely in the mix there. It's going to be a really fascinating recruiting battle to monitor here in the next few weeks next few months as he heads into the official visits, uh, which will likely happen in the summer and then early in the season before he makes the decision. So again, Leona Lifau, the number one player in the state of Hawaii, names a top eight from that top eight to a top five, that would be Nico Iamaleava, the five-star quarterback. He is, I think, on the verge of announcing a commitment. That's what it sounds like. That's what it's trending to Huff. And all the smoke, all the noise, all the all the rocky toppiness that you could probably throw on this screams that Tennessee is out in front of, of a top five that includes Bama, Georgia, Miami, and Oregon.
0: I think while all signs seems to be pointing to the balls for him there and everybody kind of just naturally assumes that he will end up in Tennessee, you know, we've seen crazier things happen. Guys that are leaning one way, seem to be a done deal one way, and, and seem to be a lot things happen. And when you get a top five, there's four ways for those four schools that aren't in the lead to respond. They could either, or I guess there's two ways for four teams. It's either they can just give up and concede him or ramp up their game even more to try to get him. And that's what schools are trying to do with Nico. Now, I think what it also does, and we'll touch on this in a bit, is it now makes the next couple quarterbacks that are undecided after, you know. And Nico and, and, you know, obviously Arch Manning as well. Does that change the the face? Do these schools that are even in this top five maybe think we're running second to potentially one school in there? Do we start shifting our focus to another quarterback or do those schools say, hey, we're going to stay in this until he tells us no? But with the talent that Nico has, the arm that he has, this is one of those where you definitely see all five schools saying, hey, we're waiting until he tells us no for us to call off the dogs.
1: Yeah, it did sound and it did seem like the Oregon Ducks had emerged as as probably the front runner. He takes that unofficial visit out to Knoxville. And we were able to break it down here on this podcast feed with Ryan Callahan, who covers recruiting for our Tennessee side over at 24-7 Sports. And you know, he, he mentioned that they really pulled out all the stops. They as someone would say, they rolled out the red carpet uh for Nico and, and did a really, really good job of of really impressing him. It's an SEC program. It's a school that obviously right now is, is on the up in terms of their trajectory. Coach Josh Heupel brings in, you know, in a sense, some notoriety and what he's able to do at the quarterback position. And it seems like they're going to be able to groom him and really give him the keys to that vehicle there in Knoxville and, and allow him to, uh, you know, in a sense, kind of be his guy, be the guy and, and have a chance to really elevate his game. So it sounds like Tennessee is is jumping out in front and that could have a ripple effect. And, and we, You've been able to see the dominoes and what that does at the quarterback position specifically with one Jaden Rashada. You, you and I have said this before, Huff. We talk so much about Malachi Nelson. We talk so much about Nico Iamaliaba. Obviously, nationally, everyone knows about Dante Moore and Arch Manning, the number one player in the 2023 class. But I don't think we're sleeping on Jaden Rashada, but I don't know if we're talking about Jaden Rashada enough.
0: And I think that's probably the best way to put it with Jaden is that he's not being talked about nearly enough. And I think you and I have both said this since you know we've seen him at a number of events over the last couple of years that there's not that big of a gap between the quote unquote big three and that's now kind of become the big four with Dante Moore moving into the top 10 and the most recent top two, four, seven. I think you could call it the big five and Jaden Rashada deserves to be in that group. But again, like a, you know, how many times have we talked about this on the west of the rest too the bay area has produced some damn good football players i mean northern california may be the one that gets to claim the greatest quarterback of all time and one of the best quarterbacks in the last 25 years they're both from northern california so again i think we fall in love with southern california quarterbacks and for ample reason i mean the heiser trophy winner did just become uh is a southern californian the guy who went off in the Rose Bowl is from southern california but I think Jaden Rashada has shown that maybe he deserves to be in that conversation with the the Nikos and the Malachi's and the Dante Moore's and the Arches, I think the biggest problem that that Jaden has had is that, you know, he was in a weird situation in the the spring, the shortened spring season in Northern California, going to a school where they had a senior quarterback who had been there and and kind of having to split the duties. But when you watch Jaden throw, when you watch him play, you know that the kid's got an extreme amount of talent and he's got a confidence and a quiet confidence where He should probably be discussed a lot more than maybe he is being discussed on a national level.
1: You have been tracking his recruitment as close as anyone in the country. How much more important does his recruitment become now that Nico appears to be coming off the board very soon?
0: Tell you what, if if I'm Jaden Rashad, I charge my phone a lot more because it's probably going to be blowing up if it hasn't since Nico dropped his top five. It probably certainly does become after Nico announces, and if you know all signs start pointing to the University of Tennessee, which they seem to be. You know, it, it did seem to be that Nico and Jane Rashado were the top two choices for Oregon. So I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon ramps it up. He visited there in January. Does that now make him Oregon's? top or target number one from the get-go, but, you know, do some of the other schools that are in his top five, or or, I'm sorry, in his top 12, and he's going to update it and release a top five probably at the end of March, early April. But are there some schools that now try to jostle and posture? I mean, are there schools that haven't gotten a quarterback commitment that haven't offered him? And Alabama and Ohio State, Clemson, which have all been watching him very close to trying to figure out where they stood with other quarterbacks, do they now get involved? And so I think Jaden Rashada is going to see his ramp up from the schools that have already offered and start to uh, pick up with the schools that maybe had been on the cusp of offering, but we're waiting to see what they were doing with other guys.
1: Yeah. Raiden, Jaden Rashada, six four, one eighty five, 185, out of Pittsburgh, California, up in Northern California, a number of schools in on him. We're going to talk about a couple other quarterbacks out West. You're listening to the West of the rest podcast. After this break,
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: We are back on the West of the Rest podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman of Twenty Four Seven Sports. Brandon, we just talked about Jaden Rashada. We talked a little Nico Iamaleava in the first segment. Let's move on to another four-star quarterback from out West, Javari Johnson from the state of Washington. You put in a crystal ball prediction last week, and it's a notable one because not only does it indicate another domino falling out West, but it also suggests that it could make a pack. School, very, very happy.
0: I think that the days of Utah being known for its defense are slowly coming to an end. Now, they're always going to be known for the defense. Kyle Whitting has a defensive guy at the heart, but let's not act like it's only been since Alex Smith that the Utes have had a good quarterback. Tyler Huntley has been a... Good quarterback in the NFL as a backup to Lamar Jackson and a player who I have comped to him, Jabari Johnson, a four-star quarterback out of Washington, who's got an offer from the University of Washington. I kind of you know, set the internet aflame earlier last week when I put in a crystal ball for Jabari. And, you know, a lot of Washington fans are, are panicking because they are right now... Perceived runner-up for Jabari, but you know, keep in mind, this is a guy that the University of Utah has had a year and a half to offer, and, and it could be a case of Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, of Washington, essentially having to pay for the sins of the previous staff at Washington, with John Donovan as the offensive coordinator, Jim as the head coach, and that Washington never really gave Jabari the attention he deserved. And meanwhile, Utah offered him in November of 2020, which interestingly enough, Blair Jabari hadn't started a game as a varsity quarterback yet; he had played receiver. He was a freshman behind a senior and had done really well on the seven on seven circuit and the camp circuit, but he got that offer from the youth before he started. Well, they stayed on him. Andy Ludwig stayed on him. He went out in January, took an unofficial visit, loved it there, got an offer from Washington a week later, but Washington and the new staff has only had two to three months to build a relationship where Andy Ludwig, Kyle Whittingham has had a year and a half. And if people don't think relationships matter in recruiting, it never matters more than at the quarterback position. We saw it with Oklahoma losing Malachi Nelson as soon as Lincoln Wright left for USC. That is where it becomes super key. And so putting in the crystal ball for the youths, I feel good about Utah. Now, if you're watching, it's not anything you did. It's more what Utah had a chance to do for a lot longer. And, and right now, the youths are sitting in a very good position for the top 247 passer, who, like I said, reminds me a lot of Tyler Huntley.
1: Sounds like uh, Jabari had a really good tournament down in, in Texas this past weekend at the Pylon Dallas event. Uh, I've really liked just his poise in the pocket whenever I've seen him. Uh has really good arm strength, has the ability to hit receivers downfield. But I think for him, what stands out is just his ability to anticipate windows and really fire the ball on, on time. Um, you know, I know he's still working on his body and his athleticism and, and all that, and that'll all come. Uh, but I, I think you just love the, 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 the the clay that is there and no one is able to mold clay as well as Utah is able to mold clay so I, I feel like that's a terrific fit if that ends up happening if the Utes are able to land their top 24-7 quarterback from the state of Washington and, and you know speaking of quarterbacks and speaking of of, of commitments and fits uh, another prospect came off the board last week CJ Tiller he's a three-star quarterback originally from the state of Arizona has transferred over for to Rancho Cucamonga uh, which is notorious for having produced uh cj stroud recently they have another cj now and that, that would be tiller just came off the board to boise state now you might be saying oh that's a terrific you know addition that's a great great commitment early on for the broncos as they land their number one commitment in the 2023 class coming off of the number one class in the mountain west again but Let's let's remind our listeners, Huff, that Boise State suffered a number of decommitments last year, uh, including four-star quarterback Caden Hauser, who ended up at Michigan State, including Ka'eo Akana, the number one player in the state of Hawaii in the 22 class who ended up at Utah. And, and it, it just seems like you're... You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you're Boise State, if you land an early commitment, that just puts the spotlight on that prospect and that allows uh, the vultures to kind of come out.
0: You can look at it one of two ways. And this goes back to when Brian Harson was the head coach at Boise State and they had a commitment from a guy named Zach Wilson, who is now playing in New York. You can look at it two ways. You can look at it as, doggone it, we can't keep a kid. Or you could look at it as, man, our coaches do a good job evaluating and getting in on those guys early. Yeah, we may lose guys, and that could be the case as long as, you know, Boise State is in the Mountain West and is not in a Power 5 conference, and maybe that changes when they're in a Power 5 conference. So you can look at it as, oh, gosh, we, we got to now spend the next few years, or sorry, the next few months trying to hold on to him. Or B, you could say, hey, our coaches do a really good job of evaluating. I remember they went through this with Hank Boggmire. I mean, there was a running joke on Boise State Twitter where there was a lot of panic. Hank took all his... Boise State pictures down from his Instagram and his Twitter. What is going on with Hank? Are we going to keep Hank? And I think Hank's heading into his, what, his fourth year as a starting quarterback at Boise State. So you got hey, to say 12th year. So i going to say 12th year. Exactly. But I think you look at it as, hey, our coaches do a good job of identifying it. So even if this guy becomes more attracted to another school, we got to trust that our coaches have another guy up their sleeve that they're keeping warm. And I'm sure after last year losing and Hauser and to see him go to the Elite Eleven Finals and, and then be selected the Polynesian Bowl, and up at Michigan State uh, at a you know a, a New Year Six program, I think you'll see that Boise State's going to have a backup plan just in case they've helped launch CJ Tiller.
1: It's a tough like balance, I think, if you're the Boise State staff, because you need to get commitments eventually. You need to start recruiting and, and getting guys on board, especially at the quarterback position, to help you recruit the 23 class and add other pieces. At the same time, you're kind of putting it on the radar and you're saying hey CJ Tiller everyone else you're kind of snoozing on this guy we're gonna get him uh, at this point heading into the spring and similarly to what we saw with Hauser last spring uh, it's one of those things where you kind of want to keep it under wraps as much as possible Um, and we've been able to see him have you got to see him during the season last year when he was at Williamsfield in Gilbert Arizona had a really good game against uh, Brophy Prep I believe it was I was able to see him in the spring last year in the summer last year a couple. 7-on-7 seven seven tournaments. We got to see him together down at uh, in Vegas a, a few weeks ago at the battle uh, tournament. And and he's a terrific prospect. Like He's a player that you could see definitely seeing his stock elevate during the spring evaluation period when coaches are able to hit the road. And we will see. I know there's a number of Power 5 programs that are expected to go down and, and check him out and, and see him throw. When you're losing the likes of Jaden Rashada and Nico Yamaleava and Jabari Johnson and, and a few others that we've mentioned uh, on this podcast podcasts that are set to come off the board and maybe not choose a school. uh, Other programs move on to their options, B, C, and D. And CJ Tiller can be that guy. And and will it affect Boise? Will well, we will see. But I think at the moment, I think you have to commend what they're able to do as a staff to not only evaluate, but also recruit these prospects. And um, it's like I said, it's a difficult balance. And, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit nervy uh, and it's squeaky bum time, as, as some would say, to recruit a, as, a, as a Boise State coach. Huff, anything else before we go?
0: No, I, I think just to, you know, kind of touch on that last point. CA, the West of the Rest, we don't just talk back well. We talk Mountain West. We talk good schools that recruit well. And that's a you know, a tip of the cap to the Mountain West, which, you know, you look at it from a football standpoint, you look at it from a recruiting standpoint, some of the most aggressive recruiting we've seen in the last year or two have come from Mountain West schools. And I, I think that's what you need to do if you're a Mountain West program is you need to get those evaluations. You need to get those guys like a CJ Tiller. You know, you hold on to a Caton Hauser. You, you, you keep guys that you're beating the power fives for. And that way it makes it attractive to other players that, you know, see the Mountain West as this is a conference that I can go in and really flourish in and really succeed in. And I think there's a reason why Boise State has been consistently the best. Maybe they didn't win the Mountain West this year, but they have consistently been the mat- best program in the. Mountain West over the last decade and then the other conferences they were in, in the decade prior, both the WAC and the Big West, but I think we're we're seeing an arms race a little bit, Blair. We're seeing with Colorado State, I think one of the things that's not being talked, and it's understandable, when you have guys like Brian Kelly leave for uh, Notre Dame for LSU, Lincoln Riley leave, Oklahoma for USC, Mario Cristobal leave, Oregon for Miami. Not enough is being talked about, about Jordan Jay Norvell leaving Nevada for Colorado State, taking the entire staff it seemed with him, Seva uh, Tawa, taking a number of players that went into the portal, and then a bunch of the recruits. Now we're seeing the Colorado State, we're seeing the Mountain West, seeing hey, we want to do what we can to be the next attractive power fi- or, uh, FBS, what do we call them? G5, sorry, uh, next attractive G5 to be in that next round of conference expansion, and Now Boise State. Might have some other competition to you know show that they're going to recruit and they're going to punch above their weight class and become more attractive to some of these conferences that are considering expansion.
1: Yeah, and and I think now with the inclusion of the transfer portal and with classes, uh, especially at the high school level, being a bit more limited and restricted, where schools aren't taking twenty five anymore, they're taking twelve to seventeen or so. That's going to be able to allow the Boisees and, and the Colorado states and the Nevadas and the San Diego States to take some of those prospects that would originally go to a Power Five school. We saw Boise land Deshaun Misa, uh, Austin Terry, even the guy that we loved, Jaden version from down in San Diego. Uh, those are players that we projected as as Power Five good. Um, so you know, I think Boise uh, obviously will be in a dogfight for CJ Tiller. Is if the projection and and if his trajectory continues the way it's supposed to. But that's just what makes recruiting so fun uh, heading into the spring and when we start when we start to see some of the stock rise for some of these prospects so uh, a very interesting prospect there cj tiller committing to boise state that'll do it for us here on the west of the rest podcast for brandon huffman and our producer lance glenn and congratulations over to kate huffman i am blair angulo thank you so much for listening to this edition of the west of the rest podcast